0: Thank you, Heather. Uh, this morning, we are in week two of our specific series for North Campus, The Unfinished Disciple. Pastor Ethan is away this morning. So I am excited to be with you guys and hop in the Word. As, as Heather mentioned, we've got one verse that's going to be our main text here this morning. Uh, so just to kind of recap what we're doing here for these next couple weeks, we have a series that Pastor Ethan designed called The Unfinished Disciple. And really, this series is about our identity as disciples of Jesus and what that looks like and how that plays out in our lives. And uh, last week, uh, Pastor Ethan kind of laid the foundation for the series, which is that our identity as disciples is rooted in Christ. Okay, so that's the most, like, kind of the roots, the foundation of this whole series is that as disciples, our identity is rooted in Christ. So now we're in week two. And today we're talking about exp- through our identity through worshiping God, expressing our identity through worshiping God. When you guys think of expression, uh, probably a lot of things come to mind. Probably the, the, the thing that comes to mind most is like emotions. Um, when you think about expressing yourselves, it's usually because like you want somebody to know how you feel, right? Or you want to communicate you know what it's like to not be heard, right? Everybody knows how that feels, not a very good feeling. And so when we express ourselves, we're trying to communicate something uh, to somebody else. Expression is the process of making known. Expression is the process of making known. I believe that we express ourselves and that we have emotions because God is relational. He's a relational being, and he created us uh, to be in a relationship with him and with each other. And so Uh, I believe that we have emotions and expressions because that's part of the relational nature that God created us for. So when we uh, want to express ourselves, there are certain ways that we do that. There are certain kind of emotions or, you know, body languages that kind of relate to kind of how we're feeling, right? Uh, So help me out here this morning. We're going to do a little test. If I am happy, how will I express myself? smiling, right? Yeah, good. Absolutely. Or clapping. Yeah. There you go, Brad. Yeah. Uh, If I'm sad, how will I express myself? Frown, might be crying, right? Y'all are going to know this. Yeah. Uh, If I don't want to be talked to, here's a tougher one. How do you think, how do you express yourself when you don't want to be talked to and be left alone? Turn around, right? Maybe don't make eye contact. Maybe stand in the corner. If I'm angry, I might throw something, right? Throw this stand or something, right? How many of you guys, like some of us were all kind of different? How many of you feel like like you're an open book, you can't hide your emotions, and if you're angry, people know even though you try to hide it. How many of y'all yes, oh, good bit of y'all that's good. How many of you guys like y'all could just put on a face? nobody knows what's going on really like they have no clue what's going on, yeah, yeah, how many of you feel like you look mad all the time? I use this as an example. Jason's raising his hand, but uh, you know, Jason, when I first met him, I thought he hated me because he, uh, he just had this look on his face, and I was like, man, this guy really hates me because he's mad. Uh, but then I've come to learn he's not actually mad. Right? <laughs> he's, a, he's a happy guy. He just looks like he's mad, you know what I mean? But uh, some of us, right, we have the same kind of facial expression. Uh, but really the goal of our expressions is to communicate something, to make something known uh, to somebody else. So this morning we're going to talk about expressing our identity through worshiping God. And so the the first part of this text is going to show us that uh, the way, the first way that we express our identity through worshiping God is that we proclaim the praises of Jesus together, okay? We proclaim the praises of Jesus together. So I'm going to break this down for us because when I say together, I don't mean that we're always together. But what I mean is that our identity as believers, as disciples, actually is tied together and carried out in our own uh, individual lives. So, in order to kind of understand what this text is getting at here, we actually need to back up and understand uh, our Old Testament and kind of the overall story that's being played out in the Old Testament. Because these phrases here in the first half of your text this morning the chosen race, royal priesthood, holy nation, Uh, belonging to God. Those phrases actually are rooted in Old Testament theology, and the phrases themselves uh, are actually from Old Testament texts. So let's look at these and kind of break this down so we get a picture um, of what this text is really saying. So in the Old Testament, uh, God made a covenant with a man named Abraham. And in this covenant, the covenant had a few things. A covenant means a promise or an agreement. And God made a covenant with Abraham and he said uh, the biggest part of that covenant was that through Abraham's offspring, uh, there would be a blessing to come to Israel. Now, this blessing is fulfilled in Jesus. And so overall, like what this promise meant is that through the lineage of Abraham, there would be a redeemer uh, that would come and redeem, uh, redeem people, right? And um, what you see here from that passage is that this, this covenant from Abra- with Abraham is actually unconditional. Okay, so what that means is that God made a covenant with Abraham that was not based on anything else. He was just going to do it because he's going to do it. So if something is conditional, it's dependent on, like, something else. So if I say, for example, like, hey, I'm going to help you this week. If you're nice to me, I'll come help rake your leaves up. The condition is that you've got to be nice to me, right? Uh, But if I just say, hey, I'm going to come rake your leaves up, and i leave it at that, that means I'm just I'm going to come rake your leaves regardless, right? And so that's kind of the covenant that God made with Abraham. He's, he said, I'm going to bring a blessing through your lineage, and it's going to be because of me, not because of you. And so flash forward a little bit into, in your Old Testament, and God raises up a man named Moses because the Israelites, who are the offspring of Abraham that we just talked about, are in slavery to the Egyptians and God's going to raise up Moses to lead the Israelites out of slavery to the Egyptians and in like, pursuit of the promised land, which is part of the other promise from that same covenant. And what you're going to see in your Old Testament, and this is over the course of a series of books and a series of prophecies, but what you're going to actually see is that the Old Testament tells us that one day there will be a second exodus. When Moses led the Israelites out of Egypt, we call that the exodus. That's like, there's a kind of popular story We even have a book of scripture named after that. It's the exodus, the departing of the Israelites out of slavery into into freedom in pursuit of the promised land. But, But the Bible tells us we're going to have a second exodus. But this exodus is not only going to include Israelites, it's going to include people who are not Jews. It's going to include people like you and I. It's going to include Greeks. It's going to include people from all different nations and all over the world. And not only that, but the second exodus is going to be uh, delivery from slavery to sin and into the family of God, into the freedom of adoptions as sons and daughters, as opposed to physical deliverance from slavery and from a nation. Now, this exodus, this second exodus is provided by Jesus, and that's basically another name for the salvation that we have now. And that's the reality uh, that Jesus provides this second exodus through dying on the cross, Uh, for you and I who are guilty of sin, and he died for us, took our place, he was buried, he resurrected, and through that, um, we are no longer, through belief in Christ, slaves to sin, but we belong to the family of God, and therefore, like, that is kind of the second exodus. And so we need to know that so that we know what this text is really saying to us here this morning. So this text is going to give us four identities right off the bat, so let's break those down. The first identity that you see in 1 Peter 2.9 is that we're referred to as a chosen race. Well, if you think back to the promise God made with Abraham, he made that promise because he made it. It wasn't based on condition. In the same way, we as the church, we are the chosen race. The New Testament tells us actually that believers, the church, are actually the true spiritual seed, spiritual offspring of Abraham. And even Jesus, when he walked this earth, there were some Jewish people that said, hey, no, no, we're Abraham's children. And even though they were physically descendants of him, Jesus said, no, you're not, Abraham's not your father. The the devil's your father, right? Abraham's not your father. The true spiritual seed uh, is really filled out in believers, which includes Jews and non-Jews. And so we are chosen race. When God sent Jesus to die for us, he sought out his bride. We, as a church, were the unfaithful bride, and God sent his son to bring us back home. Beautiful picture of redemption. And so today, if you're a believer and you're part of the church, and not just this church, but the universal church, you are a chosen race specifically specifically for his purpose. It's not by accident. It's for his purpose. Number two here, royal priesthood. What that means is that The Israelites were meant to be a nation that was a light to the rest of the world. They were meant to be a reflection of God's glory to the other nations. If you read your Old Testament, a lot of the other nations didn't follow God, and Israel was kind of the one that followed the true God. Not always, they didn't always do it very well, right? We see that pattern over and over, and neither do we, uh, if we're being honest. Um, But Israel was the royal priesthood, the light to the rest of the world in the same way. The church here in 2022, and here when this text was written, is meant to be a light to the world. We're meant to be a reflection of God's glory. And not only that, but the church is the chosen vehicle for which the gospel reaches the ends of the earth. That's when Ethan talked about last week about the Great Commission, where Jesus gave us the command to go and make disciples. And this is played out here in being a royal priesthood. The third one, holy nation. Holy means to be uh, set apart, basically. It means to be set apart or pure, and set apart for God's purpose. There's a word for that called sanctification. It means to be. It means that you're different, right? You've got a special purpose. Your purpose is different. It's specific. Your purpose exists to worship God and and follow Him. And lastly, this one's pretty self-explanatory, but it says we belong to the family of God. And what that means is we've been adopted through Christ's death on the cross and resurrection as uh, sons and daughters to the family of God. We are not born into the family of God. We are born actually separated from God, and it's through Christ uh, that we find redemption and reconciliation with God the Father, and we're adopted as sons and daughters. And those of you guys in here that are adopted or have family that are not blood, that love you the same, uh, you guys will understand this text probably a little bit better because you know what that's like. And that's what it's like in the family of God. We've been adopted as sons and daughters uh, to his beautiful family. So it gives us all of these things so that the second part of your verse this morning, so that we may proclaim, right? uh, So that we may proclaim Christ. And this morning, I want you to think about the, the common ground between all four of these identities. The chosen race, royal priesthood, holy nation, belonging to God. All of these are not your doing. These are, these are identities that are given to you solely through the work of God. And why is that a good thing? I want you to think about this morning how we define ourselves in 2022. How many of you guys have social media of any kind? Any kind of social media? Yeah, some of us in here. So on social media, usually what you see under somebody's name is kind of what they do. I don't know if you ever notice that, but like if you follow a famous pastor, it'll usually say something like pastor, husband, you know, whatever, like author of whatever book. And those are kind of the ways that we describe our identities. As a matter of fact, a couple weeks ago uh, in Impact, our student ministry program, I said, hey, tell me about yourselves. Went around the room and I was like, tell me about like who you are. I had one student that told me what they liked to do. They told me things that they really enjoy. And then I had another student that told me things that they were really good at. And then I had a third student that told me character traits about themselves. And so all three of those were different. And all three of those are true, and that's just kind of the way that we describe ourselves is we talk about things that we like or what what we are good at or what our character might be. But here's the thing. Our identity, as Ethan mentioned last week, it has to go deeper than just those things. It has to be rooted in Christ because... Christ gives us that identity, and it doesn't change. The reality is you might be a good business person this morning, but you might not always be a business person. You might have a really nice house right now, but you might not always have that house. You might be a five-star college football player, but you might not always be that five-star college football player. We even see this with celebrities, celebrities, Sometimes if you notice some like celebrity athletes, when they retire, they really struggle to find their place because their identity was just wrapped up entirely in what they did and how good they were and what they were pursuing. And so when that was gone, all of a sudden there's an identity crisis. And so this is a good thing this morning because these identities that Christ gives us, they don't change. They don't change because God doesn't change and he's given you these identities, And it's comforting because, let's be honest, we're not perfect people. We kind of mess up sometimes. And even that doesn't change our identity. This identity, these identities are given to us from him, thankfully, right? Thankfully. But here's what's interesting. Not only that, these identities talk about the church as a whole, and so they apply to you individually. I don't know if you've ever thought about this, but Your identity, these identities here that are laid out in 1 Peter 2 are about the church as a whole, and you live these identities out in your your everyday lives. So your individual identity is directly tied to the larger identity uh, of the church. Uh, Ethan mentioned this last week, but Brad House, he's got this quote. He says, my identity is not what I do, but I do out of my identity. And so your identity is the church. Your identity is the bride of Christ. And the way that you live and the way that your daily life plays out is overflow of this identity. Here's what Thomas Schreiner says. He says, Christians exercise priestly functions, but always as members of a group who all exercise the same function. So number one, we've got a common mission, a common goal of glorifying God and reaching people. It's number one, we express our identity through worship by proclaiming the praises of Christ together. Number two, we already done it this morning, but we proclaim the praises of Christ in song. Proclaim the praises of Christ in song. You ever wonder, like, why do we do music every week? You know, sometimes we change it up every once in a while, like a couple weeks ago when we did the, the tea lot ministry. But if you think about it, like, music is always, almost always a part of corporate worship. And here at FCC, like, it doesn't even matter, like, what kind of music it is, but it, when you think about it, it's, it's always a part of it. Like, here at FCC, we play kind of some more modern stuff. I grew up in a church that just did hymns only, played in the rock band, and they, they thought it was, like, the devil's music, but that's okay. We sang hymns every week, right? You know? But even that, right, even, your, even hymns, whether it's hymns, whether it's, whether it's modern, whether it's whatever, Almost any type of worship service you go to, there, there's some sort of music. Why is that, you know? Music is powerful. Music is, like, we can express ourselves through music. You ever thought about what life would be like without music? Even if you're not, like, musically inclined, all of us in here, we've all got a song stuck in our head at some point, or we're working on something at home, or working in the garden, and you're whistling some sort of tune. I mean, you ever thought about, like, what if we had no music? it would be like totally different world, right? I believe that music actually is, a, when we think about defending our, our faith and why we believe in a creator, I think music is a powerful, uh, tangible uh, way to, to look at that because I think music is, is so amazing to see how, how people can create sounds and people can, right, it's a universal language. Like, we could play with people of other languages because music, it, it transcends languages. It's interesting, right? And I believe that that's evidence of a creator. I believe music is evidence of a a designer, of a creator, of a creative God. And so music is an important part of meeting together. Music has the power to make us feel something. Those of you guys that went to prom, you know, 1988, you all remember when you hear that prom song come on the radio and you could think back, it takes you back, right? Y'all all have a song that takes you back to something, right? When you hear that song, it's crazy how music can make us remember the people that were with us. Like, we can recall faces and names when we hear a certain song, and we can we could feel kind of the things that we felt, or we can, you know, we can almost, you can almost even smell the smell sometimes when you hear a song of something that takes you back, you know? It's powerful stuff when you think about it. And so, Music has the power to do that. It has the power to, to make us feel something. As a matter of fact, uh, there's a study recently that talked about the good old days. and talked about all the good old records, right, that from artists that have come all throughout the, the decades. And it was a scientific study that talked about how a lot of times, like, you know, you have a favorite group or favorite musical group, and you really like those one or two records. And those bands, they keep making music, but they just don't, it's not as good, right? And the scientific study said, hey, actually, like, that might not be the case. These songs actually might just be as good, but, like, your emotions and your experiences are tied to those particular songs and those particular moments. And so even though the newer songs might be as good, they don't have the attachment to you because of your experiences with whatever was happening at that point in time, that point in your life. And so we meet together, we sing together together, to express our praises to the Lord. When you think about some of the popular worship songs that have existed over time, one of them is How He Loves. That's a real popular one. And what does that do to us, though? You know, when you you really reflect on lyrics of a worship song, what does that do to your heart? Well, if there's truth in there, a lot of times it does change our heart. A lot of times it softens our heart. And I remember actually when we were looking for this property, when we were looking for Alpine, um, when we didn't know if we were going to move here or not, I remember there was a song that talked about, if God wants us to go, then we'll go, and if God wants us to stay, then we'll stay. And I remember that being kind of the theme song of our building team and people that were trying to help us find a permanent location, and it meant something to them. It meant so much to them. And we see this every week. We, we know, like, life is tough, you know. Sometimes we just need to come in here and meet together and sing together. Because when we're praising, when we're worshiping the Lord, it's like we can kind of take a pause from all the other stuff, you know. I think that's one of the things for me is that, like, you know, there's a lot going on, good or bad, outside of here. And sometimes when you're just in that moment of praise, like, the only thing that matters in that moment It's like, you praising the Lord. That might be all the time you have with the Lord that day. Sometimes, you know, life gets busy. On your way to work, you might be praising the Lord. But we come in here burdened sometimes, and we just meet together, and we just praise, and we just trust him, and and it's comforting to us. It's comforting to us. So music is powerful, and I believe there's a reason that God has us sing together. But we have to be careful, because I think God's goal for us in this is not just to get caught up in the feeling our feelings can be deceptive, right? Sometimes sometimes we might not feel these same things when it's hard outside of here. But the goal here is not emotionalism. The goal is edifying, building up of yourself and of the body. And sometimes when you need to hear that worship song, you need to sing those words for yourself. Sometimes you just need to listen and hear somebody else sing it to you, right? Sometimes we all just need to sing it together, God wants us to worship. God wants us to praise, praise him uh, with song. Here's what Isaiah says. It says, sing to the Lord a new song, his praise from the end of the earth, you who go down to the sea and all that fills it, the crosslands, sorry, coastlands and their inhabitants. So, scripture tells us to sing to the Lord, sing to the Lord. We can relate to him in that way. We can experience him uh, in that way. I'll go as far to say, to be honest with you, like we see this with their students all the time. Like our students love to worship when they they go to summer camp or they go to the Valley Student Conference. Like their favorite part of it is the worship because they get to come to the front. You know, they're not in school right now. They get to pause all that other stuff and come to the front and be there with their buddies and just sing to the Lord together. Ethan talked last week about little glimpses into heaven, like what heaven's like. I believe that's one of those little glimpses of what heaven will be like. So number two, Uh, Sing the praises of the Lord uh, in song. We proclaim the the praises of Jesus in song. And three, and this is where it gets a little tougher, praises of Jesus. Praises of Jesus through our lives. Proclaim the praises of Jesus through our lives. I believe there's two reasons for that. Number one, it's because we're called to live for the Lord. Just simply like we're called to live for the Lord. That's why we exist, that's our purpose. And glorifying Him, we're called to, to live for Him. And actually, First Thessalonians says this: First uh, Thessalonians four one through eight. It says, "Finally, then, brothers, we ask and urge you in the Lord Jesus that as you received them uh, from us, how you ought to walk and to please God, just as you are doing, uh, that you do so more and more. For you know what instructions we gave you through the Lord Jesus. For this is the will of God, your sanctification." Now, this is going to go on to talk about sexual immorality, but I think the big idea here is that it says that the will of God is your sanctification. Well, sanctification, like we said earlier, it means to be set apart, but it also means that God is going to keep growing you. The Holy Spirit's going to keep growing you to be more like Christ over time. So if you're a Christian for 10 years, hopefully your life looks different than it did at two years because the Holy Spirit's changing you, constantly molding you uh, into the image of Christ. And it's God's will for us that we live for him on a day-to-day basis. Look, so much of our focus goes on the big things in life, even our spiritual focus. You know, when you, when you think about the big things in life, like when we think about the words will of God, probably what comes to your mind is a calling or a vocation or who you're going to marry, right, or, or all these big things. And I believe that God cares about those. I believe God cares about all those things, and I believe we should pray about all of those things. But sometimes we focus so much on these big decisions that we forget that God's will for us is to live for him on the day-to-day basis, in the small ways, in the small things, that those actually matter to him as much and maybe even more uh, than some of the big things. Because this is kind of the daily walk. This is the character. This is the the daily way that we live out our identity as disciples. We might find ourselves here this morning in between jobs. We might be trying to figure out, well, what's next? And sometimes when something like that happens, like we might feel like we've lost our purpose. But you haven't lost your purpose. God calls you to live for him on a daily basis. How do you live for God right now where you are? You might be waiting for a relationship, right? We that, that's hard to do. You might be waiting for discernment on a relationship, and you're like, man, I don't know what to do with this. Where does this go? But in the meantime, you're called to live for God. Even in the midst of the confusion, even in the, even in the in-between on the big things, you're called to live for God. You have a daily will that God wants you. And we're all out. What does this look like? Well, this looks like for us, we're all at different places but maybe you're a father, maybe you're a husband or a wife. The way that you interact with your spouse, the way that you raise your kids, these are all ways that you live out the will of God on a daily basis. The way that you manage your finances is a way that you live for God on a daily basis. Are you going to give? Why do we give, right? Is God calling you to give? A couple weeks ago, if you weren't with us, uh, we did something totally different for morning service, but we did what was called a uh, show up and shop. So we came in here for one song to worship together, and then Pastor Ethan sent us out all over the Roanoke Valley, to go to Walmart and Kroger, and we'd go buy uh, food or clothes to give to the least of these ministries, which is a ministry for unsheltered people in downtown Roanoke. And that's what we did during the morning service, and we came back and we filled up the truck. And, that, and those things are amazing, right? I mean, North Campus... Ethan has said this before, but North Campus is a very active church. Like, when somebody calls on us, like, you guys will meet the need. We've seen that. We love that. But don't just forget to meet the needs on the big scale. What are the needs on somebody else's life on a day-to-day basis? Who needs something at your work? Who might just need somebody to talk to, right? What does that look like for you? Maybe you're in a student. Maybe you're in a relationship. And maybe in your relationship, you ask, well, how far is too far? But maybe instead of asking that, we need to ask, Lord, what do you want me to do? Lord, how do you want me to handle? How do you want me to act in this relationship? God has a day-to-day will for us. It's number one, right? He wants us to live for him because it glorifies him. But number two, because it's part of our testimony. People watch us, you know? People watch. And it's hard. And, like, I get it, you know? It's hard to live for the Lord. And to some extent, we're all hypocrites because we have a sin problem. That's why we need a Savior. And so at some point, as good as you try to live your life, like you're going to say something or do something that, you know, just not the best, right? And then you're going to regret it. And, you know, that happens. But even in those times, even in those times, you can show grace. If you grew up on Christian music in the 90s, you probably heard this quote in the DC Talk song, but it says uh, the greatest single cause of atheism uh, are Christians who proclaim Jesus with their lips, walk out the door, and basically don't live what they say. They acknowledge him with their lips, but leave, right, and their lives don't add up. That's called hypocrisy. So people are watching, and this quote says that that's the biggest reason that people don't believe. Like, hey, I like your Jesus, right? That's another popular quote. I like your Jesus all the time. I don't like like your religion, right? Or I don't like you. I don't like the way you live, right? We see that all the time. And at some point, we will fail. But you know what? Here's what I've learned. I've learned that when you fail, even in your apology or even in you owning your sin, that can be a testimony. You don't have to live perfect. But if somebody sees you not live in a way that's good, it's, it's okay to admit it. Because I think that you can show people grace and show people sincerity through that. I learned this the hard way, actually, uh, at my first full-time church. I, I made so many mistakes. I still make a lot of mistakes, but I wish I could go back and do everything over again. I remember being at this meeting, and I was leading the meeting, and this lady, she kind of interrupted me. And it made me mad. And she said, hey, like you're talking too fast. And I said, well, you talk too much. <laughs> yeah. This was in front of the whole meeting. It embarrassed her. She got upset, and I felt like a total jerk after. And I remember going to my worship pastor, buddy, at the time. I said, "Man, I just blew it. You know, I was like, that was not good." And he's like, "Yeah, that was a boneheaded, headed decision there." But he said, uh, "But you know what?" He's like, "People in this church are not used to apologies." And he said, "You know, if you apologize, like that's going to show grace and that's going to show conviction." And that's going to show that Jesus is in your life, even in your mistake. And I'll never forget that. So I called up every single person from that meeting and apologized. But it showed, it showed grace. And so I say that to say, we're going to fail at some point. And when you do, just own it. And use that as an opportunity to say, hey, this is why we need a Savior. Like, you haven't, you haven't blown your testimony just from, from one thing. God is not done with you. God can fix that situation. Uh, God can still use you. God can still use you. Well, the last one here this morning is that we proclaim Jesus also, kind of the opposite of the last one, with our words, with our words. Here's what I think we do sometimes. Sometimes we focus so much on living well and treating people well, and we don't want to offend people, so we never actually talk about Jesus. We just love people really well. And we're good at that, right? Some of us are real good at loving people. Some of us have somebody at work that we've been loving on for a while and we want to serve them and we want to do good things to them so that they can see Jesus. And that's important. But let me ask you this. If I do something nice to you, even if I do it for a long time, let's say I cut your grass every week in the summer. Are you going to come to a knowledge of Jesus' death burial and resurrection from me cutting your grass? No, not unless you ask, right? You might ask and I might, I might tell you. But you're not going to come to that knowledge in different ways sometimes. In our world, God reveals himself kind of in different ways sometimes. Sometimes, like, there are some general things that we could come to the knowledge of God from. So, for example, since it's pretty outside, we just came through fall. Virginia's real pretty in the fall. You know, somebody might come to the conclusion, hey, if a creator exists, he must be really creative because it's real pretty out here. It's real artsy, right? That's called a general revelation where you come to the knowledge of something about God um, because of something you see. But I want you to think about the gospel. The gospel is not general at all. It's actually very specific. It's called special revelation or specific revelation. Jesus actually had to leave heaven to come here and do it in the first place and intervene specially and specifically uh, for you and I. And the reason that any of us in here know Jesus today is because we have the Word that was communicated to us from over 2,000 years ago. Most people that lived 2,000 years ago, we don't even know existed. We know Jesus existed and we know his truth because the Word is here still for us and it's been communicated to us Ethan always says, the gospel came to you because it was going to somebody else. And so when you think about that, the gospel is very specific. People have to know about sin. People have to know about redemption. People have to know that Jesus died, that he was buried, that he resurrected. Those are part of being a believer. And so while we might be doing the good things, don't forget. Don't forget to actually come back around to sharing the gospel. Now, I'm not saying, like, force it on anybody. But you're going to talk about what you care about, you know? Like, every Sunday, I really like coming here uh, to North Campus at 915 to talk to Ken Sutphin. Some of you all know Ken from our 915 service. Ken likes the same kind of music as me, and he loves professional wrestling. And so every Sunday, I get really excited to come talk to Ken about all three wrestling shows that we watched this past week, and whatever else is going on in the music world, and I just did it this morning, and we might even go to wrestling together at some point. And I, I do that because I enjoy it, right? I care about it. I know some of y'all think it's funny that I care about professional wrestling, but I care about it. It's important to me, right? I talk about what I care about, you know? And like, you're gonna talk about what you care about. So if we really care about Jesus, is that gonna come out? You know, I, I, play, in a, I play in a band, and this drives me crazy, but people ask me all the time, like, The first thing they ask me is, You playing a Christian band? And I I hate that because if you work at McDonald's, nobody in their right mind comes up to you and is like, Are you a Christian Big Mac maker or are you just like a Big Mac maker? Right? Like, you just don't do that, right? Like, you might be a Christian working at McDonald's, but like, you're not, you don't, you know, like nobody does. I, if I really reason, everybody does it with this. And, And I always tell people, Look, like, if I, if I really love Jesus, right, and I write a song, at some point, that's going to come out, right? Or my worldview, how I view the world with the scripture, that's going to, like, come out, right? And so I say all that to say that as believers, guys, if we really follow Jesus, we really love him, we really care about him, we live our lives, we live out this identity as a disciple, that's going to come out. It's just going to come out. You don't have to force it, even. It's just going to come out. So I want to ask you this. I'm going to ask the band to, to come forward and uh, I want you to think about what do you need to share? What has God done in your life that you need to share this week with somebody? Maybe you've been working with somebody for a long time, and maybe we just haven't uh, gotten around to actually having those gospel conversations. But who is it that you need to have a conversation with? Or maybe what is it? What is it that you need to share God does stuff in our lives, you know. A lot of times we don't talk about it. So, so what is it that you need to share um, this week?